This episode of Thanks a Million is brought to you by Sweaty Betty. Did you know that Sweaty Betty has been around since 1998? Mm-hmm. And since day one, the brand has been empowering strong women with more than just brilliant active wear. Obviously, as they say, leggings and sports bras won't change the world on their own, but the women who wear them can. Yes, we can. Also, in fairness, wear the wrong sports bra and... Yeah, there are consequences, let's just say, short and long term. I have been wearing their gear for quite a while now, actually years, and I'm obsessed with their leggings. They make my bum look amazing. I know I'm saying that because it is very flat, so it's quite a feat for a pair of leggings to do that. And I honestly would wear their pair of leggings every single day. Actually, I am pretty much at the moment. And I can just about manage to make them look like I'm not off to the gym. Leggings with the blazer, chuck on a chunky boot, done and done. Plus, they're doing the work when it comes to being more sustainable, using responsibly sourced materials and even recycled plastic bottles in their clothing. Here's the good news. Sweaty Betty has given me a code for 20% off so that you can try their bum sculpting leggings for yourself. Use the code thanks a million to get yours now. Let me know how you get on. The arrival of a new baby girl. Help. All of the help and all of the food. There are a million things I am thankful for today. But what is my guest thankful for? When things get tough, that's when you learn like who you're made of, who your real friends are. Like, yeah. If it wasn't for the bad days and the bad chapters and the grazed knees and all that shite, you wouldn't get better. I'm Angela Scanlon and welcome to Thanks A Million, where we explore our guests' personal gratitude lists to find out the things that have shaped their lives. Gratitude is your soul's superfood, but cheaper than goji berries and twice as good for you. In this series, we talk thanks with the good, the great and the grateful. Welcome to series five, my lovely little pumpkins. Now, previously on the podcast, we have spoken to Ruby Wax, Marion Keyes, Joe Lysett, Gabby Bernstein, Joe Brand, Ashling B, Tom Allen, the list goes on. Catherine Ryan spoke about dodging bullets, being audacious and Benefer. I know, it's pretty varied. That is the magic of gratitude. Alex Jones chatted all about Angelina Jolie, bunking off work and sneaky ex-boyfriends. We may have outed someone. Still with legals. Sharon Clifford spoke about being in Fleabag, bird watching, and the super fan that is Brad Pitt. This series, we have got a stellar all female lineup Lauren Laverne, Edith Bowman, Laura Whitmore, Elizabeth Day, and many more. We are kicking off the new series of Thanks a Million with my favourite. Geordie, the glorious whirlwind that is TV personality, author and jungle queen, Vicky Patterson. Recently, her debut self-help book, she's got five more books, FYI, but this one, The Secret to Happy, became an immediate Sunday Times bestseller. Looking at how to quash your inner doubts, overcome fear and live a happier life, all in her very funny, casual, relatable style. I Absolutely loved it. Vicky Pattinson has been on the telly for over a decade, rising to fame on Geordie Shore. More on that later. Since then, she's been a finalist on MasterChef, presented on Loose Women and even made a documentary about her very public breakup with her fiancé. She also has her own podcast called The Secret To, where she explores the secret to various issues in life, like recovering from breakups, being the best you or breaking the mould. 
She gets a little help from her fellow celebs, which is nice. Vicky now lives with her boyfriend in a beautiful home, which she shares on Instagram with her almost 5 million followers. She's the happiest she has ever been and keen to share her own secrets. But how did she get there? Before we get into the episode, what three things are you, the listeners, thankful for? Fluff Cloud says, seeing three swans flying directly overhead yesterday, the buds in the hedges and snowdrops in bloom. Oh, that's a romantic little stroll. Breed pollen, drinking coffee in bed, warm blankets and getting to eat a burger after Veganuary. And Ruth O'Connor says, choosing to splurge and being able to, to treat my son to the Lion King show after a tough year. Birds on my balcony signalling spring and looking forward to dinner in a friend's house at the weekend. Love them. Keep sending them in to me on Instagram at Angela Scanlon or you can hashtag thanks a million trio. Okay, Vicky Patterson. Have to say, I absolutely loved this chat. So candid, so open, so vulnerable, funny as fuck. She is wonderful. We talk about her happy jar, not a euphemism, accepting all of who you are and what she'd say to her younger self with zero filter. Please welcome to Thanks a Million, Vicky Patterson. Vicky. Hi, Pat. Good morning. Good morning, Angela. I was snuggled up beside you in bed last night. Oh, bless you. Was it, was it comforting? I love it. <laughs> it was so comforting. And it was so in your voice, which shouldn't surprise me, but like it genuinely <laughs> felt like you chatting in my ear. I loved it. Oh, well, thank you so much, mate. That was dead important for us that it felt like me. Yeah, it properly does. It properly does. I mean, I also naively was surprised to hear that this is your seventh book. Is sixth, it seventh? Sixth book. I mean, it's still excessive. I mean, yeah, you're a busy woman, aren't you? I think people were dead excited, weren't they? And I, I don't know if social media had properly taken off, Ange. So, mm-hmm. you know, now, like, everybody knows everything anyway. But back then, yeah. there was some mystery surrounding people. So autobiographies used to... Not saying they don't now, but they used to absolutely fly. I can't imagine anyone would give a shit about mine now because it's all just on my Instagram anyway. But, yeah. So, yeah, that did well. And then I've lo- always loved writing. Yeah, you're very good at it. I have to hand it to you. Oh, well, that's very kind of you, mate. But, yeah, varying stages of success. You have kind of consistently more and more over the last few years, like, heart in your sleeve, the book, but also on on social and this kind of focus on on happiness and and positivity but also being honest about the fact that that's not like a forever state all day every day yeah i mean i think one of the things i see in the book is like you know show me a woman who claims to be happy all day every day and i'll show you a fucking, lying bitch yeah i'll show you a fucking liar <laughs> like no nobody is consistently happy all the time life has yeah. ebbs and flows for everybody um but i think there are certain things that you can like put into place you know to help you be the happiest and most content version of yourself but for me like like you say it's been something i've been working on for years like i didn't just wake up one morning and decided i didn't want to be a miserable cow anymore Um, Mm -hmm. I had to uh, progressively work hard and want to be better. 
um, I want to be someone that I want to be friends with, you know? Yeah. Then, yeah, I'm still working on it, mate. Jesus Christ, I'm not a finished article. But I think that's the point, isn't it? We never are that finished article. And the one that really hit me was that the, the idea of you wanting to be able to, like, go to bed with yourself. <laughs> go to sleep. <laughs> like you did last go night. To, <laughs> exactly. Go to sleep with yourself at night knowing that you, you know, gave it a good go. I, I, I don't know about you, but, like, I'm a super neurotic person and... Like, I spent probably about 10 years of my life barely sleeping at all, like, mm. two, three hours a night if I was lucky. And it was because I wasn't living in a way that brought us contentment, that brought us peace, that made me proud of myself. So I yeah. would lie awake at night overthinking and replaying events from the day that potentially I hadn't dealt with very well or arguments I'd had, people I'd been rude to. Now, you know, like... I always try and be kind and be respectful and put my best foot forward. And it doesn't always happen. Christ, like, we're all human. But for the vast majority of it, like, I sleep well at night because I know I'm trying to be better. And also accepting. I think acceptance felt like a big part of the book, the idea that, you know, accepting the kind of shitty days as a way to highlight the good stuff. And I think that's a really nice way to... Uh, to frame it, that you don't have to feel like a bad day is a failure. It's actually just a reminder to really enjoy the good ones. Oh, yeah. And also as well, I really like to think, and I say this in real life and in the book and everything, that like your bad days or whatever you want to call them, like your, yeah. your, your valleys, your rock bottoms, they'll teach you stuff that... Like when you're flying high, your mountaintops, like it just never will. Mm. It's so easy when everything's going your way. To, to just take things for granted and not actually grow. But when things get tough, that's when you learn, like, who you're made of, who your real friends are. Like, yeah. if it wasn't for the bad days and the bad chapters and the grazed knees and all that shit, you wouldn't get better. And, you you, you know, you wouldn't become a, a, a this, like, brilliant, super shiny person that you're going to end up being. So, no, I think we have to embrace them, definitely. Yeah, I like your super shininess, Vicky, <laughs> and you're unapologetic about it too. Thank you. <laughs> Gratitude, again, is, is something woven through it. Is that something you kind of actively practice or you kind of dip in and out of? So, you know, honestly, like, I would love to say I'm one of these, like, super... I wake up first thing in the morning and sit and journal for 15 minutes and then like run around telling everybody how much I love them and how grateful I am to have them in my life and then I do meditation and yoga and then I give birth to an avocado but yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm not that person like I, I often wake up late I wake up cranky and then I have to like force myself to do things that I know are going to make me feel better so I consider myself a pretty grateful person full stop like I like me job, I love me mum, me partner's nice. Like, you know, I'm, I am just really grateful. But in terms of creating habits, it is something that I'm mindfully trying to be better at. I got a jar. Did you see me jar, Angela? I saw, I love your jar and all the <laughs> yeah. coloured little posters. It's cute, Tell man. Tell us about the jar. I like this. So I basically, um, I've seen it on, I think she's called it Thrifty Mum on Instagram, but Steph McGovern had reposted and like, it's, apparently really common like since I put it on my Instagram loads of women have said oh I do this and it's really nice yeah. basically just an empty jar and it's only all my little coloured post-its and once a week I sit down like at the end Sunday nights on my favourite and I, I write down on a post-it one thing that has made us really happy that week or one thing that I've been particularly grateful for I've been forcing me fella to do it as well but he's less thrilled about it to be honest he's always fuming when I'm oh yeah. whatever god nothing's happened to us this week I'm like will you just dig deep please you're going out with me there must have been something nice 
<laughs> so yeah, um, and every week I sit down and like some weeks if they've been really busy and really hard, it isn't a case of you just sit down and something flows to you instantly. It's human nature, but forcing you to sit down and actually digest and, and like process your week and pull out the good bits like yeah. even just the instant of doing that makes me feel happier and more grateful so yeah you do that all year and then you have 52 at the end or like 104 if her can keeps up with it which i doubt you will um <laughs> and then you sit and read them on new year's eve Weeps. isn't that nice yeah. it's really I know, nice I know. yeah and also because there's the pressure of moving into a new year and the goals <laughs> and the plans and the new like, year doing new me. and the <laughs> All that shite. And then suddenly you're like delving into your little jar of joy and it sets up nicely. So listen, delve into your little jar there and tell me what you're grateful for today. Oh my God. Um, obviously speaking to you is really nice. Um, it's been a while, mate. Thanks, babes. But I, it hasn't happened yet, but it's going to happen tonight. Another fellow famous uh, fire crotch. Le Jean. <laughs> Mick Hucknell. My mum's a huge fan. Go on. Um, so she, we bought her tickets to go and see Simply Red like years ago now, but obviously due to the pandemic, it's just been getting cancelled and postponed and whatever. And it's actually tonight, so... Oh, my I'm going to be seeing the ginger crooner himself. <laughs> <laughs> so do do you know any Simply Red songs? Rich? Why, I? Yeah. Like, my mum was so sneaky when I was growing up. Like, I've got this, like... It's a, an anecdote that you tell in our house that always pisses her off. But one year for, like, my ninth birthday or something, she wanted the Simply Red album. So she bought it for me for my birthday and, like, wrapped it up and gave us <laughs> it. And I was opening, like, all of me, like, get set soap making kits and, like, all the rest of it. And then in amongst it was just this fucking Simply Red album. <laughs> so for yeah. you, Pet. <laughs> it's yours. <laughs> You're not a fan? Um, so, no, I, uh, I actually do. I, I love, like, Fair ground yeah um, oh you're going for the classics there I'm not entirely convinced oh, you're a major fan this is for no, your mom yeah, honestly I, I mean I won't know any of his more current stuff that's probably more escaping <laughs> indictment about me like I am still listening to stuff from the 70s and 80s like I just haven't moved on it's far too aggressive the new stuff it's very aggressive life is so aggressive just so like some fairground escapism Jesus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bring me back okay so you your mom, your sister off to see Mick Hucknell. <laughs> that is going to be actually special. It's going straight in the fucking jar. Yeah. <laughs> it's going straight in the jar. <laughs> okay, is there a thank fuck for this? Oh, okay. I mean, oh, it's so cringe, but I mean, me phone. I mean, like, it's Awful, isn't it? That it's phone. Do a lot of people say phone? People do say phone. Although, people do say phone. Although I had had read in your book, it's a love hate, yeah. which I guess it's a love hate relationship we all have with our phones. But you said, and you mentioned your insomnia or like difficulty sleeping sometimes, that in the jungle with the, you know, millions of eyes, <laughs> the nation's eyes watching you creepily as you <laughs> slept. <laughs> in the great outdoors was the best sleep you've ever had in your life, which is saying something. Yeah. But you attribute that to the lack of technology. Oh, yeah, absolutely, mate. I mean, like, it's just so easy to get sucked back into your phone, isn't it, late at night? And, like, yeah. 
there's so many things there's so many things that I hate my phone for like it creates complete anxiety sometimes I'm completely mm. beholden to it if you're looking at it as a way to social media and things like that it can just downright make you feel shit about yourself yeah. but like I couldn't survive without it in terms of like me diary me work emails mm-hmm. all the rest of it so yeah love hate mate um yeah and i do try and have less time without it now like since the start of the year i've tried to actively implement a power hour go on so what's a power hour so it's an hour when you first wake up um where you're meant to like essentially set your boundaries for the day and like build your foundations so you can yeah so you can live live the day how you want to live it on your terms rather than just like which is what I used to do roll over react scroll straight on Instagram and see somebody got the job you wanted and some lass is going out with your ex or somebody looks great in a bikini and you're called in Newcastle I don't know whatever it is that's going to yeah. wind you up that day or like if you're not as vapid as me potentially it's actually world news that's bad yeah. or any you know an email from someone i don't know so anything mm-hmm. like that and that was how I, I was constantly on the back foot that that i was letting like my day run me yeah like just thinking like i was waking up a bit agitated and trying to then claw back me good mood but if you prolong that like outside influences so to speak yeah and you get up and you do an hour of whatever floats your boat like i mean meditation yoga walking mm-hmm. the dog sitting and chatting properly with your partner without like outside influences like even that yeah. is is super rare these days so yeah whatever it is that does it for you like I tend to do a mix of things because I have to absolutely convince myself I don't want to look at my phone <laughs> yeah okay so you got to be busy yeah, so I'm like, ah, what next fuck <laughs> You've got your list. You got your list out there. So the list is quite a, a quite an integral part of your life, yeah. isn't it? And I know some people are really resistant to lists. They're like, "Oh, we just got to go yeah. with the flow." You love a bloody list. Like, I mean, sex goes on the list. Oh, poor Erkan. Like, I feel like no wonder his jar is so empty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, so right, some people flow through life like footloose and fancy free and have a really nice time, and yeah. I'm so envious of them because like. You know, I just look at them and they're like, "Yeah, we'll just we'll we'll just go out around seven ish, and like we'll just see if we can get a table, and we'll just go to that bar, and if we can't get in, we'll go to the next bar." And even like even as those words have left my, it's a hypothetical situation. Like I'm sweating behind the knees just the yeah. thought that there are people out there like that who just roll with the punches so much. I'm just so ish. Oh, ish is the trigger word for you. Oh god, fucking nail it down. You're insane. Life needs to be ordered. Um, but yeah, I survive and subsequently thrive from planning and lists and order because I am. I'm, I'm neurotic and I'm busy and I, I couldn't be happy and content and successful if there wasn't mm. order um so much so that i'm trying to like enforce it in other people's lives as well <laughs> the people around me like okay now has access to my google calendar for example and like okay yeah every time he messages yeah. and says like what you're doing that night i'm like it's in the calendar i can't just, just look check, in the bloody just, calendar just check the fucking calendar mate so yeah <laughs> so um i'm finally losing battle with him obviously he is definitely more of an ish person um okay but just knowing i'm across my life and as like everything it, it makes me feel better and I mean jokes aside that's you know you're like more goal kind of stuff but it's also emptying the dishwasher or like d- 
doing some laundry or, you know. So sad, Angela. Like, it's not, it's not something I'm particularly proud of. See, I don't know. I like that you know yourself. I think the truth is a lot of people don't know themselves deeply. You have done enough digging around and exploration to know, do you know what? This is who I am. And actually, this helps me <laughs> feel better. I, I think that's a really positive look, thing. Look at you finding like the little little silver lining <laughs> to my crazy cloud. <laughs> no, I, I really do. No, because truthfully, I'm like, I could do a fucking list that tells oh, me to do the laundry. List, man. But, you know, I try to be breezy. I'm, like, pretending oh, I'm this kind of loosey-goosey-ish. Yeah. And, re- and I'm really not. So I think it's fully leaning into whoever you are. Yeah, uh, just accepting yourself is, like, absolutely mm. such a huge key to, like, happiness, isn't it? And, um, yeah. like, like I say, I've, I've completely fought with myself for, like... What am I? So I'm 34. So I'd say like 20 years of adult, like getting in adulthood, I've fought with myself. Like yeah. I've fought with the person I want, like who I wanted to be, who I am deep down. I fought with my body shape, like trying to make, I fought with like trying to find what works for me in terms of friends, boyfriends, everything. And like, it wasn't mm. until I got late 20s, early 30s, I just thought like, honestly like what are you doing like what are you doing fighting against what your body wants to look like like who you are as a person what you quite clearly need to be happy like I forced myself to go to nightclubs and bars and clubs and all that because I thought that was who I wanted that to be who I was and yeah and it's not mate like I hate loud sounds I I hate I hate like being pushed I hate having to shout over things like I like quiet rooms and good conversation and people I love and if that circle is small then I don't care it's just so much more fulfilling so the last five years or so like I've really just lent into who I am and what makes me happy rather than fighting it and it, it, I'm not very cool. I'm not cool. I like lists and, and cheese and quiet nights and all of that is so okay. <laughs> it's actually better than okay. You really don't want to be the one in the loud room when, I mean, fine, if that's your gig. Oh, yeah. But like, I used to blame other people. My husband was the one who'd always be like, can we go home? And I'm like, uh, boring here is dragging me home. I'm fucking delighted in the car going home. <laughs> Thanks a million. Thank you so much. Let him <laughs> do I it. Would I pin it on him? Yeah, yeah oh. totally. I could never be the one. I'd be the last one to leave. But like secretly delighted if he dragged me out at 10pm. God, honestly, I feel like you're Phyllis like an absolute knight in shining armour. <laughs> totally. No, that moment when you kind of just say, oh God, actually this, this is not for me. I'm, I'm really cold. The floor is sticky. Like, I don't know. Nana's going I, I don't know any of these songs. I'm going home. <laughs> I think, honestly, mate, it's beautiful. It's beautiful when you accept that. It is. And, like, graciously leaving. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the one I'm still working on. I don't think okay. I graciously left anywhere till I was, like, 33. I think I got forcibly <laughs> ejected till I was about 30. <laughs> Okay, the thank you next. Oh, God, there's just so many things, mate. I just kind of muddle them all together, don't I? Like, my toxic 20s, like... Mm. And I know people, like, I know people who had such a great time in their 20s, so I I don't want to, like, make a sweeping generalisation and say Mm. everyone's 20s were shit. But, like, mine, in retrospect, were just so toxic. 
and there was a lot of growth and a lot of learning about myself and all that. But like, fuck me, I'm definitely so happy to say goodbye to those and move on to me next mm. me next generation. Like horrible boyfriends, like really transient friendships, um, like p- periods of disordered eating, poor mental health, like bad jobs. Oh, all the rest of it lasts like. I am absolute, and I thought I'd be scared of my 30s because, you know, how long are hangovers, like, everyone putting pressure on you to have kids, like, all this sort of stuff. But actually, like, I've, I've turns out, like, I think I was born to be 30. <laughs> uh, really, I'm loving them. And do you think that the, that the 20s, right, the toxic 20s, because I do think the 20s are are like a tricky decade for everybody. You can look back at them and go, yeah, you were wild. It was like the time of your life. But actually, there's a lot of confusion and turmoil and like figuring out who the hell you are and exhaustion and you're broke and all of this stuff. Anyway, do you think being in the... like, And I feel like I know the answer to this, but, you know, how much of being in the limelight kind of magnified that already kind of wild... Decade, So I like loads, like, I think I've thought about this quite a lot, you know, like, was I always going to have had such a hard time with that period of my life? Or was it exacerbated by the fact that I found myself in the limelight? And like, obviously, we'll never know for sure, will we? But like, I was already struggling. Like, you know, like, I partied too hard, even before I went on Geordie Shore. And um, I didn't love the way I looked I struggled to accept that so I think that I was going to always have issues with like body confidence and probably like how like probably drinking too much and things like that but um I think they were completely magnified by the the platform I found myself on like it's one thing looking in the mirror and thinking like oh I'm not sure I'm, I'm I'm not sure I like myself today and my bum's too big and I'm co- whatever it is, you know. But, like, it's another thing to have, like, thousands of people online saying it, especially at such a young age. So, no, I, I think I was probably headed for similar issues, but they were just completely intensified by being in the public spotlight. And would you change it? I mean, if you were to helicopter back there, would you say, actually, do you know what? Young Vix, <laughs> I think not... you're going to sit this one out. Or <laughs> I really like your um, time-travelling helicopter, by the way. <laughs> he sounds fun. I use it regularly. <laughs> um, oh, God, it's such a tough one because I don't want to be like, oh, poor little reality TV star. Because um, that would just make me a no, big No, but, big I mean, dick. there are, in fairness... There's such fallout, yeah, you know, yeah. or can be, that we don't appreciate always. I am a firm believer in, like, the butterfly effect, right? And, like, mm. I'm here where I am now because of every single thing that happened. And, like, I really like where I am now. Like, you know, not just going to see Mick Hucknall tonight, but me. Yeah. <laughs> like, my boyfriends love me. My mum's great. Like, I've got loads of wicked friends. And every day I'm excited about my job. So I couldn't have been where I am now without the vehicle of reality TV, Having said that, there were some really, like, traumatic experiences for us during that time. Um, And I was on quite a destructive path. If I could go in the helicopter, I would probably still do... Still do Geordie Shaw and still do reality TV and all the rest of it. But I would love to say, like, just don't try so hard, man. 
Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, there's no way I would listen to myself now because she would think I was such a boring, weird cow. And there was no belief, there's no way she'd believe, like, I was me from the future. I should be like, oh my God, no, you you look so old and pale. There's no way you're me. Um, <laughs> old and pale. <laughs> old and pale. But like, oh, this is definitely not me. I'd be so horrible to knew me. Um, but, like, I would just say, like, please just, like, be kind just to yourself, relax. man. Just relax a bit. Yeah. Like, don't sacrifice respect for attention. Like, there's just mm. no need for it, hon. So, yeah, so I'd give it my best shot, but the journey would absolutely be wasted because I was such a, <laughs> such a stubborn, horrible cow. <laughs> such a stubborn, horrible cow. But <laughs> I, mean, I feel like your current self is being a little hard right now. Yeah, I'm st- <laughs> clearly still a bit of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, when we talk reality, okay, so maybe Geordie Shore is in one corner and then I'm a celeb is oh, in, yeah. a, in a whole other Defos. corner. It's reality, but, like, a different gig. It, it feels like, you know, in hearing you talk about that, that was a, a turning point in kind of more ways than one. Yeah, totally. Like, it was a pivotal moment in both my career and me and, like, how I saw myself. Um, mm. Like, I'd done five years on Geordie Shore through, like, my early to mid, late, like, 20s. And, mm. like, that's the time when you're sort of racked with self con- like self-consciousness and, you know, having like, all this crippling anxiety and stuff anyway. You just want to be like everybody else and you want to look like the girls in the magazines and all that. And I think when our TV show, like, burst onto everybody's screens. It was something different and quite controversial, and subsequently it, it was divisive. Um, mm-hmm. And people had really strong opinions about it. And, like, we were taking the brunt of... I think the girls on the show took the brunt of people's opinions because um, it's always harder for, for a girl in that situation. So I, I think it was just... That experience was littered with a lot of, like, quite negative moments but then I I got this opportunity to do I'm a celeb and that was just nothing but positive from the start it's a it's a different show it's a different beast it's a different audience rather than being sort of like pumped full of alcohol and kind of like just in court like just watching the mistakes happen like you know watching you fall essentially it's about watching you rise it's about watching you, like, prove what you're made of and get outside your comfort zone and, and be this brave and brilliant person. And to, to be able to have that transformation, um, I'll always be really grateful for it because if I hadn't tuned... I wouldn't be where I was now, without a doubt. I was having to, like, try and change public opinion, like, one person at a time. Like, if I met somebody or, you know, I'd have to try and convince everybody I wasn't what they saw on Geordie Shore. But yeah. I got the opportunity to change, like, 14 million people's opinion of me. Overnight. And did, aside from public opinion, did it change your opinion about yourself? Yeah, man, like a million ten percent. Like, if you're told over and over again, like, you're a monster, you're a drunk, you're a slag, you're a scumbag, we don't want you on our TV, like, you're ugly, you're this. If you're told that over and over and over again, I would challenge even the most secure of people to not start believing it. Um, And eventually, like, it was very hard to see myself as anything other other than what I was constantly being reminded of. And of course, you're also seeing this like really warped, edited version of yourself on the TV, like, and having your worst moments picked out and amplified, which is so hard. Like, we've all been a knobhead when we've been drunk, but like, you just wake up the next day, apologise to all your friends and move on. Yeah. You know? Whereas you were turned into a character. Yeah. Not even a character, yeah. mate, like a caricature. And that was all I believed I was for a while. 
and all I believed I was good for. And I almost lent into it. Like I just got completely absorbed. Um, but then seeing, you know, that I could be friends with someone like Chris Eubank, or I could be like, I could, I could have a bit of crap with Tony Hadley or like Ant and Deck liked us and that people weren't voting me out first. Like all of these things made me believe that Maybe I wasn't that horrible person that I was turning into or maybe I wasn't all those nasty things everybody said. Maybe I was just a young girl who got lost. So, no, it gave me back a... It gave me back control of my life. And you won, right? Uh, oh, yeah. Did I not mention that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Type A here, OK? I, I didn't come to fuck around. Just, just FYI. <laughs> Can't believe I didn't start with that. <laughs> I mean, it was lovely. There was a lot of growth. FYI, also got the crown. Fuck. <laughs> Fucking smashed it. <laughs> Is there a thanks that got away? Oh, it's a really tough one for me, this. That, um, my book is actually dedicated to my best friend, Paul. I saw. Okay, so tell us about Paul. So Paul died. Um, it's coming up four years now um, okay. in June and um, he was my best friend, like my absolute biggest cheerleader. Like even when everybody hated us, you know, and like I was going through the worst time on Jodie Shore and had probably made some really grave mistakes and stuff. Like he was always there to kind of remind me that there was gonna there was better better days to come, and I didn't have that. This didn't have to be my final chapter. I suppose I could still turn it around. Um, and he was like the funniest fella going, like, honestly, like, I, I, I know some people, like, when they lose loved ones, they romanticise and, and, like, look back with, like, rose-tinted glasses. And I know I'm I'm capable of that, but, like, he was he was such a bitch as well. Like, I'll call this bitch a spade, but, like, he, <laughs> he, he was just inc- had this incredible way of putting other people first and knowing intuitively when people were down or sad or struggling. And it was only... Like after I lost him, that I realised um, I wasn't the only person he was doing that for. Like, selfishly, I had assumed that I was, like, his best friend and he took this, like, special interest in me. But actually, like, speaking to all of the girls and um, all of the people at his funeral, which was, like, part of the rafters, like, um, he'd been that person to everybody. Mm. And he just always put himself last and was so selfless, you know, cared about everybody else and, and was always there to, like, see how everybody was and send a message and he kept our group going, like, our girls' group chat. And, like, I think since I lost him, um, I, like, I endeavour to live in a way that would make him really proud, like, always being, trying to be positive and um, always checking in on the girls. Like, I... I know we're at the age now when everyone's getting married and engaged and having kids and our lives are pulling away in different directions, but we still try our hardest to get together every every couple of months and we're always like we're always proud of each other, even if we've chosen like a slightly different path. Um and that's Paul's influence that. So who I am now, like, couldn't have been possible without Paul's influence. And like I always try and make him proud and stuff like that. So I don't think the book or me or anything would have been possible without him. So it's, it, it, it would have been nice if I'd got a chance to tell him that. And I do really miss him because he was gone far too soon, but that's life sometimes, I suppose, isn't yeah. it? And I feel like, I mean, he'd be 
I imagine very, very proud. <laughs> he was there in the in the thick of it with you when things were, you know, not great. I'm sure he'd he'd um, enjoy seeing where you are now. Oh yeah, it would have been so nice for him to like be able to enjoy the bits that weren't like hard, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's coming up to his birthday as well. Um, and I just feel so down that he didn't get a chance to see this happening and also didn't get a chance to get his happily ever after as well. So there's loads of things I'd love to say to Paul that I didn't get a chance to because he was just gone far too soon, mate. And do you believe, because I mean, I lost a friend as well and I have a, a male friend and I never got this chance to say goodbye to him, but I always think, you know, I kind of chat. <laughs> yeah. No, I do I too. I chat to him. I feel like Paul is like... You know, he's here. My mom has this thing, and I'm sure it's not hers. I'm sure she's read it somewhere, but she thinks sticky birds are the people we've lost. See, I think <laughs> robins are the people yeah. we've lost. Yeah. I'm like, oh, <laughs> granny's in the kitchen again. I know. I so, so honestly, like, we had this robin. It's so weird that you say that, but we had this robin at Christmas that kept coming and checking on her. And, like, I do. I chat. I say, Paul's back. <laughs> and Paul's back, and, like, my man lost a partner not that long ago. And if I see two birds, I'm like, Paul and Phil are out again. <laughs> like, you know, like, it's it's just... And I don't care what, like, anyone thinks of that. <laughs> I just think yeah. it's whatever, like, you do that brings you comfort and solace when you've gone through something traumatic. So, yeah, I do still try. Quite often I send him messages still, like his WhatsApp and things like that, just to tell him, like, things are okay and that we miss him because he, he he loved to be the centre of attention. He'd love to know that every time we go out, we still do a toast for him. And every, like, there's, you know, he just would love to be remembered. So mm. I think the book dedication and speaking to the dicky birds and even chatting to him now, I think he'd, he'd love all yeah. of that. To Paul and his wings. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> um, okay, the thanks, the big thank you. I don't think, like, I'm not an actor, am I? Like, I'm not a footballer, I'm not a dancer, I don't have any big discernible talents, right? I am where I am now because the British public decided she's actually all right, isn't she? That changed everything. Like, fair enough, like, a little portion of them might not have liked us at first, but I didn't even like myself then. They got behind who I am now and not only helped me win the jungle, made that possible, made loads of things possible since then. I make money off my Instagram, but I make and I make a good living. But like, I wouldn't be able to make that money if people weren't there supporting us. I yeah. wouldn't able to have become a Sunday Times bestseller if they didn't support me there. Like, I wouldn't be able to take my mum to a spa or look after my sister sometimes if she's struggling. I wouldn't be able to do any of these things if the British public didn't decide that I was okay and I was worth supporting. So everything I am and everything I've got is down to them. And I don't know, that makes us feel quite overwhelmed. Maybe I'm just crying a bit because of Paul still, but I do feel really emotional thinking about that. And I would like to say thanks a million to them because otherwise I'd still be in my call centre and I hated it. <laughs> I worked in a call centre too. It's not the one. No, Even if you're a chatty Cathy like yourself, it's like, ah, oh, fuck's sake, this is a script they make me... <laughs> Stick diligently to it. I, I feel like so you're more bad. of a freestyler. No, honestly, mate, like old people used to ring up and this is no disrespect like to the company I worked for, but like there was a bit of like, I think creative license with this, with like the offers and the ads and they'd be like, I'm ringing up to get this and it's 21 quid and I'm so excited. And I was like, 
to con. He's to con. Don't do it. Like, you're not getting... It's just a clever advertisement. You're not getting half the stuff that's there. Like, please don't do this. And honestly, my bosses would click in and hear and they'd just be like, Vicky, can we have a chat? And I was like, yeah, absolutely fine. But I hope you know I had to do that because of my moral compass. I, they hated me so much. Like, throw that moral compass in the bin, babe, okay, Fucking if you want to continue out. working here. Yeah. I remember my lovely little manager, she was like, I hope this Geordie Shaw things works out for you because you are fucked here. You are unemployable in this joint. Um, but maybe it's that honesty, actually. There's a through line there and it's that kind of directness and honesty that actually people fell in love with. Oh, well... There's I... no filter, is there? <laughs> no, there's never been a filter. And I think... Yeah. I don't know. Like, obviously, me P- I'm a nightmare for a PR. Like, me poor PR's <laughs> just so stressed out all the time. Like, I, I, I just don't... He just never knows what I'm going to say. And, like, I, I, feel, I feel for him in a sense, but, like, he absolutely knew what he was taking on. and He's earning his wage. Yeah, he's, like, 25 and bald as a billiard ball. Like, he just tears his hair out all the time, so stressed. <laughs> no, he's class, man. I think more so than ever. Like, everyone's had a hard couple of years, haven't we? Or like, whatever difficulties the pandemic brought you, like, acting like everything was fine and going on loads of fancy holidays and looking great in a bikini mm. and acting like, you know, you've never experienced trouble. Like, it doesn't appeal to anybody anymore. We might have felt like that a couple of years ago, but we're changed, which we are yeah. changed. And it feels I, pretty empty now, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. Like, sh- yeah. Instagram posts like that, like, show me something real, you know? So mm. I think the more authentic and the more honest and genuine and all of that that you can be across any platform, whether it's a book, a podcast, an Instagram, like, people just they can relate and take something from it. And I think life is all about, you just, we don't want to feel alone and like none of us do. And if you can make someone else feel less alone or extend that kindness or show someone that, that, that who may be struggling that we're all in this together, then I think that's pretty yeah. epic. So that's what I endeavour to do constantly. Um, and don't get me wrong, there's still some really self-serving fucking bikini selfies on the gram. Like who doesn't love a bit of validation? <laughs> but ultimate... Or a free meal yeah. once in a while. <laughs> I'm human! <laughs> But, yeah. I'm not a fucking saint. <laughs> Give me a break. I'm learning. So, yeah, so, but yeah, ultimately, mate, honesty, authenticity, all the way for the win, like. All the way. Um, okay, the present, the present that you are most grateful for. Oh, well, there's a couple of things, right? Like I could be really vapid here and say, like, I'm hard to buy for because I am. Like I treat myself to a nice handbag once a year. But normally, like, I, I buy things as I go, little bits, and, you know, I, it just is what it is. So when people come to buy a present for me, like, I'm like, mm, I just don't want anything. Like I'm, And I don't also want to ask for anything, like, oh, you don't know, oh, it's just gross. I hate the whole concept. I much prefer buying other people gifts because I can just okay. swing me dick about and have a nice time and spoil them. <laughs> but Erkan, for my birthday last year, and he's in a different situation to me, like, he's younger he hasn't quite worked out what he wants to be yet he saved and bought me a louis vuitton hold all i'm always somewhere i'm travel every week and it just meant a lot he meant a lot yeah. that he sacrificed to get us that it meant a lot that he knew something i needed and i don't know that it's it's i know it sounds still pretty like ostentatious but for me no it was, but it's it's the intention behind yeah. it right yeah absolutely you know right. and he's just he's a good egg like he is a good egg Okay, finally, before I let you go, your hashtag blessed moment. Right. 
Ah, yeah. Nobody ever used to want me in their, like, um, magazines or newspapers or anything like that. Like, when Geordie Shaw burst onto the scenes, right, there was there was the, tr- the reality TV trifecta. And there was, like, us and Made in Chelsea and Towie. And, like, we didn't get our makeup done and, and we drank, we partied hard and they filmed us from, like, 7 o'clock in the morning when we'd been out till 4. Like, we kind of weren't a marketing team's dream. Like, okay. you know, we weren't, yeah. l- like, l- ridiculously leggy and waif-like, like the beautiful birds on Made in Chelsea. We weren't impossibly glamorous and, and well put together like the girls on Towie. We were just very real. And I yeah. suppose in a way that's worked for her and we resonated with people in, in a sense. But in terms of, like, getting jobs and and you know being in magazines and being accepted by the world that we'd found ourselves in it wasn't easy Mm. um and like when I came out the jungle like everything changed and I was suddenly on every magazine and wanting to be and everybody wanted me here and everybody wanted me there and all the brands wanted me and I think that to me like it sounds again like you know quite superficial but actually it was a testament to what what I'd managed to achieve and how I'd managed to yeah. change people's perceptions, and I am I'm not a spiteful person by nature, but there was a huge sense of vindication. Like you're just like fuck you. None of you wanted me like for like two years ago, and now look. So yeah, yeah I do consider like the the change in like the industry's perception of me to have been my hashtag blessed moment, because. I like my job a lot and it allows us to write books that I love and work with charities that I'm passionate about and make TV shows which make me happy. So if all of that other stuff hadn't fallen in line, the things that set my soul on fire wouldn't have been possible. So no, even though it's kind of spiteful and I'm sure you've had some far more <laughs> profound ones on here. Oh, I like it. Like having people come round to me within this industry was a blessed moment. And in a short space of time, it's like a slam dunk. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've been grafting for five years and people still were like, absolutely not. We do not want yeah. you to sell our fake tan. No. Mm-hmm. But then all yeah. of a sudden overnight, it was like, fucking hell, sell everything for her. Like <laughs> bras and nicks, fake tan, clothes, like do it all. You, Yeah, you are marketable. And I think, like, you know, when you've grafted at something for so long and nothing's quite come to fruition, it's a nice moment, isn't it? It's a lovely moment. (laughs) Listen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so, so much. You're welcome. Loved the book. Love you. You're like a a tonic, as my mum would say. Love that. You're a tonic. Well, thank you, mate. I feel the same way about you. Thanks for having us. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was gorgeous. Thank you so much to Vicky. Her fantastic Sunday Times bestseller, The Secret to Happy, is out now. You should get yourself a copy and send it to your pals. Now that Series 5 has started, we will be releasing new episodes every week, so do hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, and watch out for my new book, Joyrider, how gratitude can help you get the life you really want. It's got a cracking cover, guys. Cracking. Lovely for your bookshelf. I'd like, ideally, for you to read it as well. But, you know, that's up to you. I can't hold you over a barrel. You can pre-order it now. Just head down below there to the show notes or in my weekly newsletter, you'll get a little nudge and a wink if you sign up to that. If you wouldn't mind, leave us a little review, five star only, please. And if you share the review on Instagram every week, I am going to pick one winner and send you 
a signed copy of my new book and I will sign it personally for you and once it's out in May I will send it to your home I'll even spritz a bit of perfume on it tell your ma your dad your dog everyone you know really and if this has sparked any thoughts or ideas about what you are thankful for do share just use the hashtag thanks a million trio and tag me at Angela Scanlon via Instagram and Twitter Thanks a Million is produced by Louise Mason at Rethink Audio. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week. Listener.